Hello and welcome to episode 141 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans occasionally on topic podcast. I'm your host for today, Peter Treisenberg. I have Fury on the boards that we don't use very often anymore. Uh, joining me today, we have the illustrious crew, including podcast newcomer D- Gino DeJoya. What's up? Dom Kim. Hello, hello. And Mike Solosi, fresh off the E3 ship. Yeah, I'm still kind of groggy. Ooh. In fact, <laughs> it's a it's a hectic hectic event for sure. But I'm glad you made it back safe and safe-ish. I would say. <laughs> what is right. that supposed to mean? <laughs> uh, we, we, don't, we, don't need, we don't need to go into it. But there was there was some health health issues that went down at uh, E3 this year among the crew, and it, it wasn't always Ooh. a smooth a smooth ride for us. But we had a lot of fun, and there should be a lot of cool e3 stuff on the site this week and coming next week and oh shoot i'm in the housekeeping already i'm sorry dude go ahead it's, it's, all, <laughs> it's all good it's, it's easy to get easy to get excited for for what's coming but uh, today today though where this is a bit of a follow-up to our ultimate weapon episode we did a while ago um today we're going to be talking about super bosses they're those uh optional bosses in video games that are meant to present kind of a final challenge for the most dedicated players and uh, they pop up. They come in all f- shapes and sizes, all forms, varieties. Um, and today we're here to discuss uh, just them in general. So one thing I was going to just pick everyone's brain about to start is for these super bosses, what generally speaking makes them a good one? Is it like their difficulty, their significance in the game's story? What what do we got? Um, well, okay, both of those things, I think, are good places to start. As If they have some kind of story connection, it's always welcome. They like I'm not saying it has to be, you know, something that's uh, foreshadowed in the first hour and then fought in the 100th hour. But having some level of connection to the world or story, um, I think, enhances how fun and how well a, bo- a super boss fits. And high difficulty should be part of it. But, I mean, a difficulty that feels challenging and rewarding without feeling completely unfair. We can talk about some unfair ones a little bit later in the episode. But uh, basically, challenging without feeling completely busted, some level of fitting within the world and story, and I think some tangible reward other than, you know, other than just a trophy or, or just them not being in the room anymore. <laughs> I think it's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, and I think that um one of the one of the things that i think makes like uh like really good optional bosses stand out from the others is um that they sort of how do, how do i put it like uncover sort of like the sort of the world because like most of the games that i play they have like very well built worlds but there's always some sort of like mystery surrounding them and i like super bosses that sort of shine a light on those so i guess yeah story relevance is important as well but like i like bosses that give you a new perspective on the story or on certain characters even mm-hmm. and what about what about you gino do you have anything in particular you look for in us in an optional boss in video games yes i prefer a super boss that allows me to obtain the ultimate weapon from beating it so i have no use for that ultimate weapon because i've already beat the ultimate boss of the game Right. <laughs> um, so, so Yeez Matt is your favorite super boss, is what you're saying. That or Julius, either or. Um, the 
Um, in actuality, the story importance is nice, but what I want to see in a super boss besides that is a final encounter that allows me to use everything I have for these characters. I built them up level 99, they have the best equipment, max skills, have my ideal set going for them, and I want a ultimate challenge for that. I can't I can't build them up anymore, and I just want to go in, have some sort of challenge at the end after maxing them all out and beating that sewer boss. That's what I like seeing in a sewer boss in the game. An ultimate I, challenge for an ultimate party of characters. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't feel that way at all. A, 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 boss, a boss that makes you max out everything just as almost as a prerequisite feels well, no, 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 no. feels overly cheap to me. But but I I also never ever max out characters in an RPG. I'm, I'm by the time I get to the super boss, I'm ready to start stop playing. But so well, that, that does probably just speaks to our specific tastes and preferences. Well, I don't don't get me wrong. When don't get me wrong, if a bo- if I can beat a bot, if I can beat a super boss like level seventy, that's perfectly satisfying to be too. But what I mean, what I mean is like games where, games where you get to level ninety nine, and but there's still a challenge, to it. Like if like in Kingdom Hearts, where you have a where you get to max level, but there's still plenty of challenges to that too. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean by well, that's what I mean by that. Not like not like you have to max out everything. Like you could, but I'm not like I'm saying like sure, it's the game's right. final challenge for everything you've done up to that point. Yeah, like this is sort of the and it's satisfying to clear like this is a final test of skill rather yeah. than you pushed all your like this it's it's more a test of skill rather than a reward for like time invested so to speak. But yeah. it's funny on my end it's kind of it's interesting because um for the longest time I never really bothered with optional content in games. I was usually pretty satisfied uh, clearing, clearing, clearing the game's story and moving on. I think I find more recently, though, that I've been more interested in kind of uncovering everything a game has to offer. But no, I think you guys have all made pretty, pretty valid points as to why optional bosses in games can be interesting, gratifying, challenging, and and they give certain things like the, the. I think there's an allure surrounding a lot of these characters, like. The kind of things that people like, you know, but before about this is before before the the time of a lot of us. But uh, you know, before before there was internet, people would be like, you know, if you fight, you know, the secret enemy you fight in the game, you know, a lot of that mystique is kind of still around these characters, even though yeah, you can the, look up on yeah, sort of the cafeteria whisperings, like uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, like like let's say a game comes out, everyone's talking about the game for the first week, but by the time you get to the third week. There's the oh shoot! Did you hear about the the, the, the secret boss at the end of the end of the end? And uh, like that, th- it does add a level of intrigue um, to you know what should be late in a game's uh, play cycle. At, at least I mean, like, I I I well most of the time in an RPG, I welcome a super boss hidden somewhere, especially if it you know hits all of those check marks that we went over a few minutes ago for what makes yeah. a good one. It makes it make. I think it makes the game feel like there's more to it there. Like even though you've exhausted the main width of content, I think it helps make the world of the game feel a little bit more interesting. And um, generally speaking, I'm, that's more than always welcome. Um, with that being said, I'm gonna go. I'm just going by uh, the row of names on the bottom of my screen here. So I'm gonna start with you, Dom. Uh, of we have some examples listed here. What is a what's an optional boss in the series or a specific game uh, that you find to be very interesting? All right. So, if you know me, or if you've listened to the past couple of podcasts, you know that 
I'm a huge Dark Souls fan. And, mm. um, of course, uh, I think the best super boss in the series by a wide margin is the Nameless King, who was who is the optional final boss in Dark Souls 3. And, like, in order to even reach his area to begin with, you have to go through this, like, whole shenanigans of unlocking an emote and then emoting correctly at the right place to, like, get to that area. And then, like, Wait. you have to... But you have to emote incorrectly at the right place. Oh, yeah, I email, you, you have to emote correctly. <laughs> I see. Okay. Right yeah. I mean, okay. You have to screw up in a very specific way, no, you, and you, you are to, rewarded uh, with a new boss fight. <laughs> you have to emote very, very rudely and insult the king to get him to come down from his throne. Exactly. Yeah, and like already his like his area is already is like hellacious. It's like it has some of the toughest enemies in the game and has some of the most ridiculous gauntlets. But like once you get to the final stage and you fight him, you know, already his like entrance is like grand. He like flies in on a dragon and like he prepares to like spear you with his like in his, with his like enormous lightning spear. But like um when you so the first part that I really like is he's mechanically challenging because like unlike every other boss in the game, you can't sort of um you have to properly react to his movement. And what I mean by this is that in Dark Souls, or Dark Souls 3 at least, you tend to like get really get into a rhythm. Like you see the boss swing their arm up, and you know that's that's when you have to roll, or that's when you right. have to roll to the side, that's when you can get in a free hit. But with the Nameless King, he has all these like really strange delays in his attacks. So he'll raise his spear up, and then you're like, you'll spend all your stamina bar like rolling around him like an idiot. And then once you're out of stamina and you can't roll, then he slams his spear down for like three quarters of your health. So you have to like properly read his movements, which is really different. So it gives the so it gives the fight already like a much different pace where you have to very methodically challenge him throughout throughout the entire encounter. And then like on top of that, he has the whole significance of like, you know, once you beat him, you're like, all right, so who was this guy exactly? And then as you explore the final boss area, you find it, uh, the pieces sort of fall together that this guy is sort of like the lost son of the original Lord of Sunlight, Gwyn, who has, like, who has been like talked about and he's been in like lore and he's like, he, he has his own sort of like sect or he has his own sort of like religion within the world of Dark Souls. And he's been like teased since um, the first game and then, like after you complete him, and then like, you explore his area, you're like, "Oh my god, this was the, this was the, like the lost son of Gwyn." And like that sort, that whole reveal, I think, was like was so on point, and was I thought it was such a great way to sort of um, just finish out the main game, finish out the main game without all like the DLC stuff. So I thought that, yeah, I think that's why I think the Nameless King is probably the best super boss of the Souls or. Yeah, at least the main Souls series. Yeah, Dark Souls. Dark Souls in general is really good with uh, filling its bosses with that sense of mystique we were talking about and giving them a a story significance. So yeah, I think it's cool that uh, that Nameless King rewards uh, players who've been invested in this in the universe his lore for so long. I think that's really neat. Uh, I haven't played the, the Dark Souls three myself, but uh, yeah, no, that's really neat, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played any Dark Souls game, but it does seem cool that they paid off on 
a you know a, a mysterious character that had been teased for multiple games in multiple years in the form of a really cool end boss fight. That's, exactly. Yeah, that, that seems. I bet that's really satisfying to Dark Souls players and to fans of the lore too. All right. Well, I mean, so, so moving on from the from the realm of Dark Souls, uh, let's move on to Gino. What do you? Uh, what's one you want to pick for this section? Well, I want to talk about a franchise that actually doesn't have a lot of that isn't really known for super bosses, but has had some very difficult optional bosses in the recent ep- in recent games, and that's the Fire Emblem series. Ooh. More specifically, there is the more specifically, I would like to talk about the a couple bosses from Awakening Echoes. Starting off with Awakening, um, there's the boss Anna, who for Fire Emblem fans knows as the perky the perky merchant who has a million sisters and is voiced by Igus. And the, <laughs> and the biggest and the biggest thing with her is that to get to her, you have to get the DLC Apotheosis, which has incredibly strong enemies. These are enemies which even if you played the game on even if you played the game on normal, casual, the lowest difficulty, all the enemies are on Lunatic Plus, the highest difficulty. And you have to go through and try and be, and you have to try, go through and try and beat Every stage, as fast as you can, there's turn limits, and every enemy has Draco Shield, which halves damage on a lot of of weapons. It's a very brutal DLC. But when you get to Ana, she's even worse. Because not only can she counter your abilities, counter your attacks, but dealing half as much damage as you do to her back to you using counter, just as Rightful God, which is a skill that boosts her skill up. She has Aether, so she can heal it's a really she's a really difficult boss in the first time in a in a fire Emblem game that we actually see a very difficult enemy to overcome because in awakening of so many different skills you have limit breaker which increases your stats you need rally spectrum which increases your stats even more for a few turns there is so much stuff that fire Emblem awakening has but you need all of them to beat apotheosis all five all its first stage and all five of its secret stages just to be just to be Anna and she's really difficult just to get through. Not even to get to her, but even when you do get to her, she's just really difficult as well. Hmm. Yeah, Awakening really sort of um, blew up Fire Emblem customization a little bit because most of the games before it, I mean, uh, I guess Sacred Stones is another exception, um, mm-hmm. you're, you're limited in how many battles you can do and how much experience and items there are to go around. But with Awakening, they uh, there's... All kinds of you know uh, solo grinding you can do. There's uh, there's um, DLCs that give you better items than ever. There, there's basically more ways to pump up your characters than ever in Awakening. And Apotheosis was the you know almost the answer to that. It's like yeah, we're making we're giving you every opportunity to make po- powerful units when in past games th- it, this would have been impossible. So here's the challenge that you know requires you to go to every level of exploitation in order to <laughs> in order to complete it at all i i have not done apotheosis i put a lot of time into awakening but um i didn't really do much into the dlcs for it on the flip side with fire emblem you have anna who is a character rooted into its lore and has been around for a long time but fire emblem also has another boss in fire emblem echo shadows of lentia which also can give to that mystique a little bit that we talked about and as the creation which is the alt- optional boss in Fire Emblem Echoes. After you beat the main game, you get into Chapter 6, you can go to, you can go across the ocean to the area where, Sha- where Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon took place, go over this very long 10-4 mm. dungeon, Phoebus Labyrinth, mm. and at the end, you fight this giant black dragon called the Creation, which is stronger than the final boss, 
and has a lot of different enemies there that are really strong. Some people can't beat it on hard without using DLC. Some people can, and with it, with it in its end, with the thing of it, you have no idea what this creation is. As you go through the entire dungeon, you you read these different, you read these different texts, um, tablets that are in there, which will show, which are like research notes, going deeper about this experiment that you find. And eventually, you get to the bottom, and here's this big thing, this big dragon. But the thing is, is that well, a lot of people don't want to realize when they fight the boss for the first time is that this boss looks very similar to the final boss of Fire Emblem Awakening. And that, yeah. and they try to bring the connection between that and to what this boss comes in at the end of Echoes. And everything interesting. That hmm. It is interesting, kind of tying the tying it all together. Because Echoes, that's the remake of Fire Emblem Gaiden, right? Yeah. The second yeah. I see, okay. So they try to give the super boss a bit more broader significance in the series as lore. That's really neat. Yeah, it sounds that's that does sound really cool. And I, I still have to play Echoes. It's I've, I've, people. I people are. I'm, I have been. This is after after E three. People were telling me um, when I was bemoaning um, Fire Emblem Three Houses, like, oh, but I hope it saves the franchise after Fates was like the worst <laughs> game ever. <laughs> um, and then they're like, "Oh, Peter, you got to play Echoes. It's really good, actually." And I'm like, "I'll believe it when I see it." Um, yeah, so... I, I, I forget who played it for us, but I remember Derek was playing it for an episode of Random Encounter a few uh, last year or two years ago, and he was encouraged by it. I, like you, I was pretty turned off after uh, after playing through about half of both of the routes of Fates, and. Um, yeah, you made it further than I did. Yeah, I, I made I, I made I made it to like chapter like like nineteen or twenty for uh, conquest and and not quite as far for birthright, but the I, I I was not impressed with fates and echoes is supposed to be very different, but in a way a return to form. It, it was much more positively received by fans, at least from my uh, perspective. And I, I mean, this discussion of this boss and really trying to connect the worlds of Fire Emblem together is is at least encouraging. Awakening did a lot to try and connect the different the different continents and kingdoms and ages of Fire Emblem together. And uh, they, they, I guess they're just they're doing um, Nintendo's doing a good job of building a larger Fire Emblem lore with their recent games. Give it, mm-hmm. give it a give it a year, and we'll get a, we'll get the Fire Emblem Historia. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I, sure. I would preter that like it was not. I, I would I would be interested in the Fire Emblem Historia. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, that, that 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 I think they're leaving money on the table. Yeah. So, but uh, Mike, what about you? Uh, what's something on this on here you think is interesting? Sure. Well, um, I, I think we'll if we're doing a series by series discussion, I'll go over one that has a a sort of a couple different kinds of super bosses. And that's the tales series, uh, Uh. tales of Fantasia through tales of Berseria through tales of yet to be determined 2019 game. Um, Ooh, that's my favorite tales game, right? (laughs) I I love how they announced that they announced that they're making one and there is a trademark for an old one somewhere, but they didn't give anything a name. So uh, we'll probably get it by TGS in September, but, uh, there's a couple, Attacks that the Tales games take when it comes to super bosses in, say, uh, the remakes of Tales of Fantasia, not, not the Super Famicom version, but the ones that came after. There's a, uh, a a chain of quests that will lead you to a hidden super uh, demon named Hades that after that after you defeat gives you a super powerful weapon and a new summon for Clarth. 
And uh, then almost every Tales game from Eternia onward, ha or maybe even Destiny onward, has a cameo battle, usually fought in an arena, where you fight uh, either NPCs from the current game or past heroes from earlier Tales games. I know I remember the one in Eternia was uh, was Kles from Fantasia, if, uh, if you're playing on normal, or Kles and Arche from Fantasia if you're playing on a harder difficulty. And then and the, the later ones will have you facing you know four random side characters from previous games. Uh, and all of those, like uh, the sort of hidden bosses, like like Hades or the or the Maxwell and Secundes summons in Eternia, those usually give very good rewards. And the cameo battles will usually give you at least one good piece of equipment as a reward. So those are always fun. And um, what the hidden summon is and what the hidden cameo battle is is sort of a late game tradition with most of the Tales games going forward. I haven't played a new Tales game since. Zillia, so I don't know what the cameo battles or hidden ones are in uh, most of the recent ones, but it, when you do encounter them, they are fun and satisfying, and 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 especially seeing the cameos are rewarding for longtime Tales fans. But uh, another one that is a, I don't think it's in every Tales game, but several Tales games have uh, sort of um, dark weapon quests or chaos weapon quests. Mm -hmm. They're they're often called different things in each game. In uh, in some in Symphonia, they're called. Uh, Oh shoot! I I know the character's name is Abyssion, but what were the yeah, uh, Devil's Arms? I yeah, Devil Arms. Called. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, many Tales games have sort of hidden weapons that have unusual properties, where they start out very weak and get stronger as you fight more and more enemies using them. And usually, mm. uh, and usually that side quest culminates in a uh, pretty tough boss battle. The the one in Tales of the Abyss is really awesome because it ties into Jade's story. Jade is one of the playable characters, with uh, the final boss Nephilim being. A basically a homunculus of his um, dead teacher that he revived as a uh, when he was a reckless, uh, slightly insane student. Um, huh. And it, well. so, it, so it it takes a it takes a pretty dark, slightly Full Metal Alchemist tech. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I that, approve of this. And uh, and um, it's a it's a really cool boss battle with uh, that that isn't isn't overtly challenging i was i was able to do it uh without you know without uh breaking my brain when i um, played the 3ds version last year but it, it like a lot of the tales and the game bosses do have they do check those nice boxes they have a story tie-in or a character tie-in and pretty good rewards but really i mean the first one i remember was that uh that arena battle against kles and eternia where he's kles is op guys he's just he's just really <laughs> strong and uh, yeah. and and maybe uh, and uh, oh well, actually no the 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 big one in Eternia is Secundus who's an obvious um, he's obviously Daos who's the final boss of uh, Tales of Fantasia and uh, famously in Tales of Fantasia Daos's uh, big weakness the first time you fight him is the lightning spell Indignation and uh, yeah. so when you fight him in Tales of Eternia he has a hundred thousand health and when you get him down to fifty thousand. He starts charging up his ultimate attack, and if you give him about 10 seconds or so when he's under 50,000 50, HP, he'll wipe the party with a super move. But if you cast the Indignation spell in between him being under 50,000 and him doing that super move, you'll one-hit kill him, and then he'll, uh, he'll join the party as the final summon. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> and uh and, and indignation yeah, yeah indignation is not like the ultimate end all be all spell in that game it's it's a it's a strong lightning spell like but it's because it's Daos's legendary weakness you have to it's what you have to use against Secundus. Mm -hmm. 
that's that's hilarious. That's I love smart. it. <laughs> and I, and, I, and he's the uh, he's the Kramel of time. So I think secundus is a Japanese transliteration of the word seconds or second. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's it, it's a it's a fun boss battle that if you don't know the mechanic, you might be screwed. But it's it's pretty satisfying to execute. <laughs> um, going on some of the cameo battles that he's talking about. Also, come on, indignation is like the most famous attack from Tails, so it's kind of hard not to be yeah, able to it's, use it. It's the point. ultimate lightning spell in a bunch of Tails games. Yeah, and going forward with some of the uh, newer Tails games and some of the cameo battles that they are, one of the biggest things with Tails games is that every Tails game has a major labyrinth slash gauntlet dungeon at the end of it where you either use the double arms to get, to get through them or there's some other requirement to get through them. And throughout those dungeons, there you will fight some of the cameo battles. Like For example, in Graces, you had to fight Kohaku and uh, Riella. Um, for Tales Destiny 2, Kaku's from Tales of Hearts. Um, in Tales of Zillia 2, you had to fight Kles and uh, the main character of Tales of Destiny. You can't, oh, I can't remember. Oh, uh, Kyle? Yeah, wait, Kyle. Wait, no, wait, no, 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 Kyle is his son. Yeah, that's Tales of Destiny 2. Um, no, 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 Stan, Kyle, Stan, Stan, Kles Stan, and Stan. Stan. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kyle's, Kyle is Stan's son, and they look yeah. kind of the same. My bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but the, after that, after, like, after doing that, like in Graces, you get to fight those in Gracie's, you get to fight those two in Vague from Tales of Rebirth at the top of the arena. In Tales of Zillia 2, you fight you fight those two, Mint, and what other character? I can't remember. Um, in, in the <laughs> arena. And but the best thing about this, these are battles that these are battles that are unlocked after fighting the the Gauntlet Dungeon and after the Gauntlet Dungeon being the boss of that dungeon. And you see, like, oh, here's this cameo battle that's still amazing. You have to get through it all. That's it's those type those type of battles where you beat the super boss, but then you have a huge battle afterwards is really awesome. And by the way, that mm-hmm. cameo battle in Tales of Two is so hard because you're fighting four you're fighting four characters in previous games, and you and one of them has a unique Mystic Art. It's and... is it is it Quest using Soul Forge or or Soul no, Steel? No, it's Quest and Stan using their own version of um, Final Fury. Oh, okay. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> Kles gets teleportation and like blade extending moves in Fantasia. It's it's stupid. Kles is Kles is OP. <laughs> My favorite cameo boss though is the after the Gauntlet battle in Tales of Asperia, you fight an enemy called Traitor to Heaven, which for those who don't know is Cross Arian from Tales of Symphonia. So after, oh, sure. so when after you beat him, so when you go for this huge dungeon after you beat him, you get you get a letter unlocking the hundred man gauntlet. At the end, and you saw this huge battle afterwards. You gotta go through in order to gain even more of a challenge. So, even after completing these gauntlet dungeons, the challenge in Tales isn't done for like a little bit, and that's what I like about a lot of the super bosses in Tales in that regard. Top will, ten anime will... betrayals. Yeah. <laughs> it will. It will never not. It will never not amuse me that Tales has a Kratos. <laughs> uh, Kratos. I, I, the, the one that amuses me the most is that there's a. A character who totally isn't a traitor in Tales of Destiny 2 named Judas. Nope. Oh. Mm. He's not a traitor at all. Mm. Absolutely not. That's, there's a traitor in most Tales games. Yes, Let's there really it. is. Lysanderoff, um, you were behind this. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we move on to the next series, actually, I did want to ping back to you, Dom, and ask if there were any more Dark Souls bosses you wanted to spotlight. Because I've heard the series has a pretty good legacy of boss fights. Yeah, sure. Um, well, if you're going to stay with Dark Souls 3, you have Champion Gundir, who is the um, upgraded version of the 
of the tutorial boss that you fight, who is also okay. known to be pretty, pretty <laughs> tough to begin with. But That's like, clever. But this version is absolutely like, I feel like he's like he already has like the, all the prerequisites of being sort of interesting from the lore perspective, as a sort of as like the place you travel to, sort of to in order to fight him is sort of like a time travel thing to begin with, where you sort of go back in time and see what the world was like, kind of like a couple hundred years before you came there. And Champion Gundir is the original sort of person who's supposed to like, you know, do the whole, you know, um, ignite the first flame and keep the world going and all that stuff. But um, he failed. Like, so he... Like you did. <laughs> yeah. And he's... Um, but he failed. So he's like standing as the guardian. He's supposed to like judge everyone who comes to try and... Um, do what he did and the thing is like that this guy so you first encounter him and like if you beat the first boss you might be like oh this guy's gonna be like pretty easy the first boss wasn't like too big of a deal but then you fight him and you get him to half health and then his eyes start glowing red and you're like uh oh what did i just <laughs> what did i just awaken and this guy goes from like swinging his spear once or twice then like dodging to like straight up full on like Mortal Kombat comboing you to death. Like he will, <laughs> he will like, he will hit you. He will hit you with the butt of his spear or his halberd, and you will flying up in the air. And before you can come down, he'll either like, he'll either um, full on check you with his shoulder, or he'll kick you in the face. So it's like, it's the first Dark Souls boss that like straight up combos you to death, and it's like, it's a very intense fight. And unfortunately, it's you can cheese it. If you're good at parrying, because then mm. like because you can parry every single one of his attacks, and parries have like super long, like you parry him and then you get stunned for like ten seconds or whatever, so you have a super long time to deal a lot of damage to him. But if you don't parry him, it's like a very, very intense twist, I guess, mm. on a familiar boss. That's a, I, I kind of like it when games do that um, because yeah. when they take a really when they take an easy enemy or an enemy that's like kind of early game and make it like super challenging later on, I think that's kind of fun. Can, can I uh, give one example of a super boss that is that exact thing that isn't even on our list? I just I just thought of it right now. Yeah, hey, um, go ahead, man. Uh, one of my favorite uh, Super Nintendo or Super Famicom games, Second Densetsu Three, which is the sequel to Secret of Mana Two. There's a hidden boss in only one of the three story paths that is a rabbite, as in the the, uh. the very weakest enemy that you fight at the beginning of the game. But, <laughs> it's, a, but it's a black rabbite that can cast powerful spells, um, heals itself to full if it, if it, you see it flash a certain way, and deals preposterous damage. But uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a, a just a black uh, skin of a regular rabbite, and it doesn't even give you a good reward. It's <laughs> it's it's a it, it's a very silly cameo, but uh, it it does do that very amusing trope of a an early enemy that is being ratcheted up to a uh, to a, a, like a super level. I like oh, that. That's fun. I got an Go example ahead. of that in Yeast later, but I'll talk about that later. I oh, okay. I have I have a couple Disgaea examples of that, but again, well we're gonna we're gonna save that well, for later. We'll <laughs> swing around. Maybe maybe we should get to the later. <laughs> Otherwise, well, we'll my... be here for three and a half hours. Well, okay, so I'm gonna talk about Kingdom Hearts now. Okay, it's time to Mike 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 flips table. <laughs> no no no, I'm just gonna mute my mic. <laughs> uh, uh, well, um, the one so the one thing I wanted to specify because I just in in my preparation for Kingdom Hearts three, I recently replayed Kingdom Hearts two, and um. The the thing about vanilla Kingdom Hearts two when it came out is that it kind of I feel like it kind of lacked a lot of end game level content, like um, 
you had the one optional fight, which was Sephiroth, um, a reprise of Sephiroth from the, and he's he does a lot of damage. He's pretty t- he's tough, but it's a pretty manageable fight, all things considered. Like once you figure out his move set, then it's not really much of a problem. Um, so when the Final Mix version came out in Japan, which I consider Final Mix to be probably one of the best director's cuts of a game ever. Um, and they added a whole bunch of stuff. They added new cutscenes, new enemies, uh, this whole new endgame challenge, uh, optional dungeon. You get to fight replica versions of all the organization members that have new attacks, new patterns, and a whole lot more HP. And then you have a Lingering Will, which is kind of the final ultimate endgame challenge. Lingering Will, Lingering Will is cool because um, from a from a gameplay and lore perspective, he's really neat. Um, he's able to he, uh, gameplay wise, he's an end game level challenge. You, you're going to want to be level ninety nine. You're going to want to have the best equipment, and he's still going to put up a pretty fair fight. Um, although I've seen people do level one runs of him, and it's kind of amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Um, He's also, the interesting thing about him is that he's designed to counter the way a lot of the main Kingdom Hearts 2 game is played because main Kingdom Hearts 2 is not a terribly challenging game. It's got some spikes here and there, some tough boss fights. But for the most part, you can you can mash, you can pretty much button mash your way through a lot of it. With, um, with Lingering Will, he has counters for long combo strings. If you, if you get greedy and try to go in for too many um, hits on your combo he will he'll punish you for that with this really wide-reaching whip attack um his move set is completely random um while he does telegraph all of his attacks mm-hmm. um the order in which he does them is random and <laughs> sometimes he won't um do certain moves until the second phase of the fight at which point he has like a desperation move that goes on for a full minute and he'll teleport in and out of combo strings um, which is ridiculous. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, um, <laughs> he has a. Um, he can yeah. lock. He can lock your commands temporarily, which requires you to play a little mini game to get them unlocked while he is busy wailing on you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. He he literally freezes your command menu, and you have to pick the right command option as it randomly cycles through them. Um, <laughs> fortunately. <laughs> Fortunately, un- unlike the Kingdom Hearts 1 variant of this boss, the unknown, um his random command wheel slows down over time. So you actually do have a, a pre- it's pretty easy to break out of. Mm-hmm. Um and then he can also this this is the hardest thing about this fight is that he will randomly he, if he hits you with a certain attack, he will curse you and either completely mm-hmm. seal off your physical attacks or completely seal off magic and items. <laughs> yeah. This boss has like such shenanigans. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a very challenging fight, but also very rewarding because one thing I really like about this fight is that it never feels unfair. You always can tell this is what I need to do in this situation. All of his attacks have a very clear telegraph, mm-hmm. and you and it really is kind of just a matter of recognizing his moves, knowing how to handle them when they come up. Like mm-hmm. there's a, you can block or dodge every hit in his desperation move. If you get the timing down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the fight probably does demand that it's, that's really interesting. And um, 
from a story perspective, it's also really cool because it ties into Birth by Sleep, the then unreleased prequel game. The boss is Tara from Birth by Sleep. It's um, what's left of him. His his heart is sealed within his suit of Keyblade armor from the end of Birth by Sleep, and it's waiting there, um, waiting there for you to find. And that's that's just really cool to see. Um, the little lore connections there to that fight. You're fighting in the Keyblade graveyard, and he's mm. yeah. It's a. It's just a really neat final fight. Um, One great thing about Kingdom Hearts, as Peter said, when regards to lingering well, is that a lot of bosses have ties to future Kingdom Hearts events. Like for example, the unknown from Kingdom Hearts One is Zemnis, the main villain of Kingdom Hearts Two, mm-hmm. and that fight uh, is awesome. The alternate bosses in Kingdom Hearts: Birth by Sleep pertain to enemies in future Kingdom Hearts, like mysterious enemies, Young Xehanort, and going from there. And the best thing about all that is that. As Kingdom Hearts moves forward, the optional bosses build on the game's lore slowly but surely leading up to when you actually see them. That, and also considering you have to beat the super bosses in order to obtain the alternate ending for um, the, the, of the, the secret endings for a lot of these games, it's really useful to see how each game progresses. Yeah, that's it for real. Kingdom Hearts has quite a lot of, of really challenging super bosses. And, this, so, and, it's, and it is, yeah, like you said, Gino, it's really fun how they build on the story and new and interesting ways. I'm curious to see what 3 is going to do. I think it's Dom's turn now. Is that true? Yeah, it is definitely Dom's turn. Dom, what do you got <laughs> for me? <laughs> Alright, so, um, straying a bit away, well, like, I, I mentioned that I find uh, lore to be a pretty uh, significant aspect of super bosses that I like, but I think a notable exception that I have to this is um, the raid bosses in Borderlands 2. Because Borderlands 2, even like even on like Ultimate Fault Hunter, I think it was Ultimate Fault Hunter mode, that's the highest difficulty. Even on that mode, you can like it's pretty easy once you have like a very good if you if you just even just get a single uh, good gun. But um I really like the raid bosses because they because they really because because they're tough and they they really push your characters to their limits, which is something I think is sort of lacking in a lot of games these days. Because you know traditionally raid bosses are always sort of like oh you have to gather like a sixteen man party you have to like coordinate and have like voice comms going and everything right. and draw aggro correctly and stuff. But Borderlands two sort of Borderlands 2's raid bosses are different in that you can party up to take them down and do all that sort of you know, shenanigans with the drawing aggro and stuff, but they're, but they're easy enough, or I guess quote unquote easy enough that you can that you can solo them if you're, um, if you're good enough and your characters, uh, and if you build your character correctly, and I feel like that's sort of that's sort of how how do I how do I call it sort of flexibility with how you can approach the boss. Is something that I really appreciated in Borderlands 2, and I really enjoyed as sort of like the final content, as the real final end game. Because the main, because the main boss of Borderlands 2 was just kind of a snore fest, really. <laughs> it's just sort of waiting around and waiting for him to pop up to shoot him in his weak spots. But um, the whack-a-mole of end bosses. Exactly, and and to make it work, and to make it even better, he has you know the end boss just slings lava at you while you can't fire at him at all so you have to just play a game of dodge but um yeah for at least the two uh 
great bosses in the main game, which are Terramorphous, the Invincible, and Vermivorous, the Invincible. I feel like they're all very, they're tough, but approachable enough to do solo. And um, they give you, they can give you uh, very good rewards, which makes also like repeating, repeatedly fighting them very rewarding. So, right, yeah. yeah, like grinding, grinding the mm-hmm. raid battles to get like prestige items or whatnot. It's like a big thing in MMOs and stuff. Exactly. Like that. So that's kind of cool, yeah. And Sounds... like they don't, they don't necessarily add anything to the lore, but I just found them so enjoyable on a sort of gameplay level. I feel like I, I should mention them here. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Hey, that, that sounds neat. And I, I wasn't actually wasn't I didn't even consider I haven't I didn't even consider Borderlands when we were thinking this one up. So yeah, thanks for thanks for that. I hadn't even really considered raid, uh, G- raid bosses as a kind of super boss, but that 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 makes a lot of sense with a, with a lot of different MMOs. Including mm-hmm. Borderlands, which has a, a, sometimes an MMO structure. Basically, the raid or the the current top raid would be the available super boss that is, mm-hmm. you know, o- only mm-hmm. for not the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's the same with like the the the, the bosses from FF14. You know, they always add like here's oh, a yeah. high level new thing with every patch. And that's that's cool. Yeah, and we we can talk about that when we if we uh, get to Final Fantasy later. But uh, yeah, Gino, you pick the next topic. Yeah, before I do that, I'm just, I'm just having war flashbacks from the 20 tries I took against uh, the raid boss in Borderlands 1, Cromerx Invincible, when I tried soloing him with the sniper class. There's a lot of Invincible like, people in Borderlands. Yeah, yeah and, and I just realized that was a terrible idea, because having, having a pale sniper fight a giant um, monster with one weak spot, having super armor, and no cover was a very bad idea on my part. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, next... Some next series on the list is what I want to talk about is Yeast or East. What'd you tell me? East. East. <laughs> yep. Uh, my experience of East in the last uh, the last four years has proven to me be, hey, look at these really difficult bosses that I do not want to spend a hundred t- tries trying to beat. And <laughs> East bosses are huge and beautiful and awesome. No, they are, and I love them so much. That's why I love the series so much. But it's but they're so hard. Even on normal, for example, uh, the I've only up to this point I've only been able to beat two of the super bosses in East. That was the one in Memory Celsetta, which is called the. Oh yeah, the the one that's the one in Celsetta is, is uh, pretty near the starting area of the game. Yeah, yeah, but, I, I, yeah I accidentally ran into him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Foria Daros, which I which for some weird reason I'm like. When I was fighting him, I was able to get for the entire game without really using the guard command, the guard button that much. So when I fought him, I'm like, oh no, I'm dying. So I, I went up, attacked him, went back, healed, and just kept going back and forth because I, I couldn't dodge the attacks. His do- attacks are all AoE. And it was just so weird for me to do that. <laughs> so in us, and now I'm actually... Not with members of Slack coming on PC this summer, I'm like, okay, I'm actually going to guard this time when I fight that guy because I want to play that game on hard. Mm-hmm. Um, another boss I fought um, was when the PC version of 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 Six Arcanum came out, which is Majun'un, which is a fairy found in the in an underground area of the game, and the only way to beat that thing is using good old lightning spells because is using the lightning sword because. The weirdest thing about East bosses is that when you fight them, they're complete bullet hell. Everything. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's more about dodging than landing hits 90% of the time. 
Yeah, and that's what was that was what was Majun Un. I had to I just I just charged up the lightning sword, attacked it, and just kept running away as I kept fighting it. And it was a really, yeah, it was and it was a really difficult boss. However, the really difficult bosses that take a lot to unlock, I have to say, is the optional bosses in in three, the Ofa Falgana. Those bosses are really difficult. First off, you got I think um Reinhard, I don't remember the. Oh wait, is, is it the guy at the top of the mountain, the the the, the martial arts dude? Yeah, him. Oh you have to... him, yeah. I never yeah. tried that. I heard it was. You I have... heard it was brutal though. Oh, <laughs> it gets worse. You in order to unlock him, you have to either a beat the game on hard. I, no, you have, no, you have to beat you have to beat the time you have to beat the time trial on any difficulty. I think in order to unlock him, and he's super difficult just because his yeah his attacks has almost no lag on him. And you have to answer. So you have to wait until he's done attacking, finish him off as soon as you can, and be able to get through that. I, I was only, I still can't beat him even now. But that boss was just insane. However, there is another super boss in Open Vagan that's even harder. And the only way to unlock it is to beat the game on Infernal difficulty. Oh dear! And that, I have and not. That, I have not done that. <laughs> nope. That is the Black Pickard. The Black Pickard. Wait, 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 wait. Pickards are like yep. small, tiny animals. I know. So, it's like the Black Rabbit Returns. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the Empire <laughs> Strikes Back. <laughs> the boss I'm talking about. It's a small black um, hamster slash pig creature that is, that is like barely the size of like a grape on the screen. And it's just hitting you with a crap ton of blasts coming from all over the place. And it has, it has I think. I think it has an extra a thousand HP, even as a has a thousand more HP than the final boss on Infernal mode, and it's and not only does it hit hard, you it's a time trial boss, so you have a set level, you have set items. Luckily, they give you the ultimate equipment, but it's just a very difficult boss that I can't get to because I have I barely even beat the game on Nightmare, but just watching the footage of the boss just shows like how just difficult it is right off the bat. It's like yeah, no, you good. You, 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 <laughs> you live this day, weird hamster monster. Funny enough, there actually is another optional boss in East Origin, which you can only obtain from beating either all three games on Nightmare Mode with the three main characters, or beating them on Nightmare and beating on any difficulty using their alternate versions. But that boss is so elusive that I can't find footage of it, even though I know it exists for wiki and guides. <laughs> and I want to fight that boss so bad, but it's but I I can't. I'm not I even sure. Don't... I'm not even sure what you're referring to, but uh, but then again, I've I've only beaten, I only beat East Origin once on normal and then once on uh, on hard, because uh, because th- there's a hard between normal and nightmare, right? Yeah, there. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't do yeah. nightmare. I did I did once on normal and once on hard, and that's it. So I'm nowhere close to unlocking that thing. But I wasn't even no, aware no. of it existing. Yeah, it exists. It exists. It's really, it's really we. Yeah, it's really weird. Um. But yeah, I know this is a super boss in um Yeast Eight, but I have no idea about it because I haven't fought it yet. Because I haven't I haven't played it enough. But let's just say that Yeast Super Bosses are a thing, and man, are they hard. <laughs> Sounds like it. Well, yeah, man. Yeast is a series is very arcadey, so I feel like yeah, they've got a uh, that lineage to uphold, I suppose, of devouring all of your quarters. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they don't technically have an arcade lineage, but they sometimes the combat does feel arcade. Yes, especially that's, that's more what yeah. I meant. Yeah, it's like they, it's got this like because I feel like with ease you can sit down and play like play a single combat session and like you have a good time and it's pretty easy to like 
get into that. It's fast-paced. It's flashy. Oh, yeah. It's definitely fast-paced and flashy, and you're collecting coins and making, and making you know, like, uh, making, you know, uh, money hitting the ground kind of sounds all the time as you're collecting all the things that enemies drop. But, but you, also, a, you also got to pay attention, and it's, it can be demanding. So, yeah, oh, yeah. it sounds like mm -hmm. that'd be a series rife for, for challenging fights. Uh, so, do you have another another series you'd like to spotlight, Mike? Do I? Um, I I'm just going to go <laughs> with it right now. Uh, Dragon Quest, possibly my favorite series of RPGs. Uh, almost all of them from 3 onward have a super boss of some form snuck in. And uh, I'll, I, I'll, I won't go through all of them, but they, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of them and they're excellent. Uh, in Dragon Quest three, or at least the Super Nintendo and Game Boy Color versions of it, there's a uh, there's a, dra a a hidden dragon you can fight near the end of the game who grants you a wish every time you uh, every time you defeat it. And uh, with each wish, you get an, a new reward. And eventually, I think you just it just uh, it runs out of items to give you, and then and uh, and you can just keep fighting it anyway. And similarly, there's a uh, a, a monster called the Egg Dragon at the end of Lufia two, which I think is a direct reference to the wish dragons and dragon quest because it does the same thing uh, you fight it over and over it's slightly stronger each time you get a, a new reward a new special wish every time you beat it and uh and, and until it runs out then gives you the ultimate weapon and ultimate accessory if, at the very end uh in dragon quest 4 you don't fight a drag in the remake of it there's these two uh, very silly bandits that I think are called I think they're called chicken and egg or something. <laughs> uh, but Makes sense. yeah, <laughs> after you beat them once, um, you get the you you uh, revive a certain character that's been defeated, and he becomes the uh, the secret character that's exclusive to the DS version of Dragon Quest IV. And then if you fight chicken and egg over and over, you get that character's ultimate equipment. Um, with one piece every time you defeat them. Uh, in Dragon Quest V. I don't think there's a, a super boss in the in the Super Famicom version of the game, but in later ones you can play uh, you, you can play special Pachisi or uh, um, basically special board games that give you extra rewards that in that end up with you uh, getting like little monster versions of two of the game's major bosses, which is a cool little reference. Uh, Dragon Quest VI has probably the most famous super boss in Dragon Quest. There's a uh, a demon that you that you encounter in the distant past in one dungeon in the game and in the at the very end of Dragon Quest 6 you can encounter that cameo demon it's called Nightmare in Japanese and I think Nocturnus when the when he's shown up in English oh, I and heard uh, that one. yeah he's a he's a, a big mean guy with like a with a spear he's also one of the tougher legacy bosses in Dragon Quest 12 I'm sorry um, in Dragon Quest 9 but he's a uh, Hey, we skipped eleven already. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think twelve's been exam been uh, announced yet. I'd be the first person on that news if it were true. In Dragon Quest Seven has my favorite super boss in Dragon Quest history because the the story of Dragon Quest Seven <laughs> is that uh, there is a a conflict between a demon named Ogordimir and then God, who's renamed Almighty in the uh, in the three DS version of Dragon Quest Seven. And the the, the way the story goes is the uh, basically the two fought to a draw, and uh, and Ogordimir was um, sealed away, and then God left uh, uh, left his creation. And there's been a you know churches in place worshiping God or the Almighty in its place. And Dragon Quest Seven is sort of about. Um, how Orgodomir managed to return and was slowly consuming the whole world and uh, you and your party rebuild the world island by island and piece by piece reversing the evil work that the demon and his army did 
and uh, and you know and he's the final boss of the game and there's a lot of there there's a more religion than usual in Dragon Quest 7 compared to other games in the series but the super boss after you beat the game is you find uh God's resting place and determined that either either he was still resting or he had so, sort of become apathetic over the years and he and he decide and he asked if you want to challenge him and you get to fight this this toga wearing very Santa Claus Zeus looking guy who's called God or the Almighty <laughs> as a, as the <laughs> hidden super boss and um, you you can look it up if you want he's a he he's a very you know cuddly looking god but he's uh he's the super boss of Dragon Quest Seven and a and has a a story connection that I found. Uh, very interesting. <laughs> J- JRP- JRPGs. Yeah, we're all about um, a group of teenagers teaming up to fight God. Dragon Quest Seven. Hold my Okay, fear. okay. It's <laughs> to be fair. It's uh, four teenagers, one wolf that was transformed into a young boy, and one old crotchety knight that was turned to stone for for centuries before being revived. Yeah. But how old <laughs> is the crotchety knight? Because he can't be old unless he's over 30. No, no, he's he's old. He has one of those Akira Toriyama uh, mustaches. He's he's right there with Master oh, Roshi. Oh, he's one of mm-hmm. Oh, he's one of the he's one of the five yeah. faces Toriyama can draw. Okay, yep. cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and let's see. Dragon Quest 7 stars young Goku, Dragon Quest 8 stars young Gohan, and Dragon Quest 11 stars Android 17. Yeah. Three, three, I love it. <laughs> three more Toriyama faces. But yeah, Dragon Quest VIII uh, has a really cool story tie-in. Um, it's the uh, by going through this uh, area called the Dragovian Trials, the hero discovers his heritage and uh, and you unlocks a second ending to the game or a third ending or a third optional ending if you're playing the 3DS version. And it does yeah. a similar thing to Dragon Quest III, where you can fight a series of dragons over and over for increasing rewards. And it's a uh, it's really satisfying, and I think has a really cute resolution to the uh, um, to the hero character's arc. And um, the, the, it also reveals that the hero's father's name is Eltrio, which I always thought was a neat RPG name. And I use the, I use the name Eltrio for optional for like created characters often. Uh, Dragon Quest Nine, oh boy, uh, you unlock a, ser- a set of bosses called Legacy Bosses eventually in Dragon Quest Nine through um, optional maps that you can get via a couple quests in game or via Street Pass. And they are, those uh, optional bosses are the final bosses of the previous eight Dragon Quest games, <laughs> plus, uh, mm. plus four others that are minor bosses, like uh, Nocturnus is one of them, like uh, Murdoch from Six and, Har- and uh, Baramos from Dragon Quest Three are in it. But basically, all of the biggest bosses from the previous eight Dragon Quest games are unlockable bosses. You can fight them over and over. Every time you beat one, They'll give you some small trivial item, and you can choose to either take the experience for yourself or give the experience back to the legacy boss. And if you choose to give it back, then they will gain one level, become stronger, and have give you a better chance of dropping better items. So hmm. you can fight these 12 bosses over and over and over, level them up to 99, and use all of the rare drops from them to forge the best equipment in the game or goofy cameo equipment that lets you dress up as the hero from Dragon Quest Three or whatever. Hmm. Oh, sorry, those, sorry. Are, <laughs> I've been going on a still, bit. <laughs> are those still accessible um, now that the Wi-Fi on the DS is gone? The, well, the DS's network is gone, so you can't use the online shop. You can't download new quests, but if you do have the quests already downloaded, you can get those maps. And I think street passing still works because a local hmm. Wi-Fi and multiplayer will work on it. So if someone hel- has those maps, they can pa- you, they can give them to somebody else. But um, again, I, I think Dragon Quest IX is a slightly incomplete game if it does not have that the, those online features. So unless mm. you have um, 
uh, unless you have access or a friend that can uh, help you with it. I, I don't recommend playing Dragon Quest IX Cold because I, I think it's below it's a below average game for the series without those online features. But yeah, that's nine Dragon Quest games in a row or seven because since one and two <laughs> don't, don't really have super bosses. And thanks for letting me pop off a little bit about it, guys. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. It's what, what we bring you on here for, Mike. <laughs> Ooh, oh, I, think, I think I need a, uh, I need, I need a, some smelling salts. <laughs> well, I, th- I think I think that we can get probably give everybody another another pass on these, and then we get into some negatives. Um, so stay tuned for that. But let's talk about Final Fantasy. Who who's fought some Final Fantasy super bosses? Me, 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 me. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, uh, well, lay, lay into him. What if what what do we got here? Okay, I'm kidding. I actually haven't fought that many, but um, um well, well I haven't. The most, the most recent ones I fought were um those in thirteen and fifteen, more specifically the good old Versinga Versinga Turks from the oh, final Versinga Torix or whatever. Yeah, that that oh, the final Versingatorix. <laughs> he he the was final, a he, the final thief mission in Fall Fantasy Thirteen. Okay, well, Versingetorix is the name of a famous Gaulish leader that uh that was like that fought the Romans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. executed by Caesar. Yeah, that's and they, and, and I think he might be a, he might be a minor character in the Asterix comics as well. <laughs> he's at the he's at he's at the end of that long string of hunt quests in Thirteen, right? Huh. Yeah, it, which is annoying because that because. That guy has a lot of weird abilities that can make, that can make things really difficult. Luckily, I wasn't. Luckily, I was able to stall and kill him without much of a problem. However, the boss after, or the boss right after it, which which for some reason is stronger, is the Longui, which <laughs> even yeah, which even at max, even even if you max out all your stats and everything, it's still you can't beat him normally. You have to. You have to use some cheesy stuff. For example, I used the death counter where you have Vanilla in front, you summon her, you do on. Then after that, you just keep spam death with the Genji glove on, dealing crap loads of damage until it dies. That's pretty much the best way you can kill it at that point. With Yeah. 13 was kind of lacking in optional content, but the stuff that was there definitely kind of it got a bit of a rep. <laughs> I don't know. The Seaf missions weren't too bad. I didn't mind exploring Pulse and going for all that. It actually had a lot of good oh, lore. Exploring, yeah, exploring, exploring Pulse was interesting. I think it highlights that. I mean, it highlights 13's incomplete nature, but um, it's definitely no. It's definitely one of the better parts of the game. Speaking of incomplete, Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> uh, you, you're saying it's a wound to me, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> RPG fan game of the year 2016. It's because it's a good game. It's it's just, it is. It is missing a lot of clear. It is. It is clearly missing a lot of corners. I'm still mad about that. Um. Anyways, what? So I haven't fought the. I haven't fought the Adamant Toys, but I have fought the level 120, um, super boss in that game. In that game, and the main thing with him is that you can only. There is the quest line that you get from this blacksmith in one of the towns. It's, just, uh, it's, it's he's a, in um. Uh, Lestalem. So uh, I know yeah, the guy you're talking about. Yeah, it's a guy in Lestalem, and he gives you a bunch of quests. You have to go kill these enemies, and eventually you get to this level twenty, level one hundred twenty super boss. And to, and of course, this was when I fought him. It was before the, it was before the level one hundred twenty gap, um, level inc- level increase that happened in the game. So ah, I found, yeah. I found okay. level ninety nine, and I had I had a little bit of trouble trying to beat him. 
His name is Nagelfar, and he's pretty difficult trying to beat him. But there is a way to beat him, even with um with that, and that is grinding up um <laughs> materials to obtain the ultimate magic. So pretty much all you need to do is go fight the rock on top of a on top of a nearby mountain, and grind materials that the thing drops, craft it into magic, which gives you ultimate magic, and just keep spamming it, and it deals like a hundred thousand damage per hit. <laughs> <laughs> and it and eventually it will eventually you'll be able to kill the super boss mm-hmm. by just spamming magic and it was really fun. I did finish that quest chain in fifteen, yeah. Uh the uh the Adamantors fight too is that one's not uh, it's a super boss, but I hesitate to even cause it's it's a dumb fight. Like it's I hesitate to even call it like it's the, the 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 fight against the adamantoys is this enemy is so big that you're going to spend half of the fight clipping inside of it like it's just it's really badly optimized i was not a fan but i did beat it <laughs> so there actually is a harder boss in Final Fantasy 15 that was introduced recently through the limited time quest which is called the dread behemoth it's level 140 it has immune it's immune to magic which means i can't do the same stuff i did before and it's a super difficult boss that I haven't been able to fight because it's a limited time quest. But from yeah. just, just from just standard looking at it, it it would take a normal person maybe ten minutes to kill. It, the entire area is foggy. It's just as well. I wasn't yeah, I wasn't really a big fan of that one. Although it's actually interest. Uh, the limited time quests are a whole other can of worms because that's part of their whole weird games as a service thing. But um, what is interesting is that the DLC episodes for 15 have actually had some pretty interesting optional content added. There's um, each one has an EX version of the one of the main boss fights or um, against another character. So in Gilgamesh, you can fight Core. In the in Gladio's episode, you can fight Core. Um, in Prompto's episode, you can fight Aranea. And in uh, Ignis's episode, you can fight Noctis. And those fights are all really fun and really challenging. I wonder um, you fight an episode, and I wonder who you're gonna fight in episode Arden when that comes out. You'll probably, <laughs> yeah, I'll be curious to see how they'll, they'll work that in. And then Prompto also adds in um, a Dread Behemoth, and um, Ignis has the optional super fight with Arden, which is a really awesome fight that actually makes you have to make good use of his movement abilities, which I thought was very interesting. Um, but even then, 15's had a lot of content added to it, and there's quite a bit of endgame level content for people who are interested in diving into that now. But um, let's talk about another Final Fantasy, though. Um, has anyone here fought uh, Ru- uh, Ruby Emerald Weapon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I've, 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 it was many years ago that when I last did it, but I have beaten both of them. I have not, unfortunately. But I haven't even finished 7, so it's kind of, I can't really say that. And well, that would that'll be Gino's final episode of Retro. <laughs> uh, thank, okay, yeah. uh, thanks okay, for playing, that. fellas. Where are those credentials? Where are those site credentials? Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, while you guys were discussing fifteen, I was trying to think back in time a little bit and figure out what the first Final Fantasy super boss was. And uh, I mean, Final Fantasy games do have late game bosses. Like, uh, like uh, Bahamut is a late fought boss in both Final Fantasy three and Final Fantasy four. Who's uh you know, hidden, but I don't know if he qualifies as an endgame mm. super boss. Uh, I, I think the first one that definitely counts as a super boss is, um, or ones, are uh, Omega and Shinryu from Final Fantasy V. Yeah. Because those two mofos are 
right there in the final dungeon. They're not hard to find, but they are way harder than the final boss of the game, and um, yield significant uh, significant rewards for beating them. But you really need to go in there with a strategy to even stand a chance. Like I think to beat Omega, because he's just fire. He because he fires a super damaging uh, fi- uh, heat beam with you basically every. 0.75 turns. You have to have everybody equip a fire ring, or you're basically toasted. And uh, and Shinryu, the only the only way I was able to beat him was to give ev- to give everybody like two dragon spears and equip the uh, dragoon class and just jump on him constantly. Because otherwise, you're gonna get wiped in seconds if you have anyone standing uh, in the on the field for very long at a time. And I'm sure there's other strategies, but. Uh, you can exploit class combos and FF5 in fun ways to get a lot of things done, but I think those are probably the two earliest Final Fantasy super bosses. Actually, there might be one. There actually might be one that. Oh, you're talking about the war, the war mech in FF5. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking because the war mech, because while while it isn't exactly considered to be like a a super boss, but it is a, it is still a very powerful enemy that has that is very rare to encounter. And has attacks that are higher than most of the other bo- most of the bosses. Yeah, the it's game. it's not as strong Even... as the final boss of the game, but it is stronger than basically every other enemy. And you inquire, acquire, I think you fight it only as a random battle, and I think only in like the top floor of, of where Tiamat is. I think. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's yeah, in Tiamat's dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's in it's in a very specific place and a very low encounter rate. Uh, I think it's War Mech in the original FF1, and they might have renamed it War Machine or something for later ones. It's uh, It's been a long time. Okay, it hasn't been that long. I played Final Fantasy 1 for the podcast uh, <laughs> last year, in fact. So, But but I, I did not seek out War Mech in that playthrough. Yeah, they've done a lot of... Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, they've done a lot of um, retroactive... Because in re-releases of the older Final Fantasy games, they usually oh, yeah. add um, some content in. And they've gotten a lot of like post-game dungeons they'll add like uh, final fantasy one got a whole bunch of optional dungeons with bosses from previous final fantasies mm-hmm. and including then, shinryu and omega <laughs> yeah and then and then on psp they added the lab uh, chronodia um they added one to two as well though i don't remember what that one was called i think um, it was a behemoth or something uh, i don't remember was. what the i don't remember what the boss was but the, the area that you fought was uh you, you took four characters that had died during the course of ff2 and, mm. and and led them through sort of an underworld kind of stage but i don't remember what the boss was it was mm-hmm. I, I i've in fact blocked much of ff2 out of my memory <laughs> and yeah. six in six, they brought back that dummied out enemy, though, and yep, put, the, may actually finished the quest line. Yep, the the Czar Dragon or Kaiser Dragon, which is uh, yeah. which is now at the in the post game super dungeon. It it was supposed to be, I think, the end of that uh, of the the eight Crusader Dragons, mm-hmm. or or um, perhaps an optional boss in Kefka's Tower. But it, it's again, it's dummied out and might have a reference in Super Mario RPG. <laughs> Weirdly yeah. enough, for further details, see Retro Encounter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three, Super Mario had... RPG Legend of the Seven Stars Part Two. Hey, sorry, you were saying? Yep. Uh, three also added the Iron Giant from in the three D in the three D. Oh remake. yeah, but can you access that anymore on DS? Yes, yes, yes you still can. Oh yeah. Okay, because yeah. I thought it was through it was through that Magnet feature, wasn't it? Yes, it was, but Magnet only works. Yes, but the quest system only the quest system from that, if I remember correctly, works through um. The Magnet still works through um the game's timer. Not actually the works of the game's timer. Not I actually see. okay. Because if that's the case, then a you don't get Onion Knight, and that's a huge thing in Final Fantasy. Also, the also the 3D remake is on um. It's on PC. it's on PC and PSP. So you yeah, could probably right. Okay, that way. Mm-hmm. fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. 
But um, and then later entries, I think I feel like after Ruby, Ruby and Emerald Weapon, it kind of just became a thing in the series where okay, we're gonna add this boss that has a zillion hit points, and it's hmm. gonna be like you get the one in final. I, I kind of hate how the one in Final Fantasy VIII just kind of like shows up in the final dungeon. But yeah, um, and I, and it I is it's there. A, it's annoying that you you have to deliberately not over level to beat it. Yeah, that's because also it, really dumb. It'll cast level 5 death near the beginning of the fight every time, and if so if your any of your characters are maxed out to level 100, then, you know, peace word to your mother. <laughs> Seriously? Oh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Eight, 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 that goes like completely against... <laughs> eight, is, eight is dumb and broken, and Square, if you're going to remake anything... Uh, eight actually needs it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like I mean, there's the old "if it isn't broke, don't fix it" thing. Eight is kind of broke. Please fix it. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. Nine's name one and nine has a couple super bosses. It's got Ozma and Hades. And I think mm. I, isn't I don't I I think I read somewhere that Hades was probably the original final boss. Yeah, um, um the, the final boss of 9 is Necron, which is some vague uh <laughs> like like a vague incarnation of death or the void. And I think having Hades as sort of like the god of death was the origin their originally intended final boss. And um mm-hmm. and and I think he's also a reference to an older FF game. Is is Hades in FF3 or 1 or something? I I forget. I think I saw Hades earlier. Let me double check. I I I think he's in FF3 doing something crazy because Final Fantasy 9 is full of references to classic games. But uh, that I have heard that same rumor, Peter. I don't know how true it is, but it you know Hades would make more sense than Necron because Necron makes even makes even less sense than DC Comics Necron. <laughs> All I'm saying is that Black Black Lantern uh, Zadon needs to be a thing like now. <laughs> I I would okay. I would love to encounter um, multicolored spectrum lanterns of all the Final Fantasy characters. All it, looks like, it looks like Hades was only in nine. From what okay, I tell. sure. I see. Okay. Still, he's cooler I, than Necron, and um, I would also like to see very much like uh, Terra as a Green Lantern. That'd be pretty great. Yeah, and we'll get into some of the. Uh, of the I, 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 I'm saving some of the other games for uh, our negative discussion. Oh, yes, sure. I oh boy, I do I have words? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do I have words? So let's move. Let's move on from the final fantasies of the world and. Let's see, Dom. I think you're next on my list. You got give, give me one more franchise that you want to talk about. I guess this is technically a different franchise with Bloodborne. I guess go for it. Go for yeah. it. Since um, since Fear the old blood has only has like I think like four or five mandatory bosses to beat the game. They have a lot of um, optional bosses, and I think. By far, the best one is probably uh, German, the first hunter, who is, um, who, he's the end boss of one of the optional, or he's the end boss of uh, one of the endings in the game. And what's great about it is that, like, um, you know, you've come this far, and German says, all right, you can wake up from this nightmare with me killing you, but, um, it's not explicitly stated, but you can choose to reject uh, what German has to offer. And um, what ensues is that he then busts out his his uh, scythe, and then you engage in this one-on-one battle. And um, one thing I just love about the fight is that, you know, beyond the gameplay, it's just the setting of the fight is 
so well done because you're because uh, you're in the hunter's because uh, you're in the hunter's dream and um you're fighting in this graveyard full of flowers and you know all these swords of the past hunters i presume i think and it's such a i think it's um such a cinematic fight because bloodborne also since you have to dodge around so much you just as you fight you just naturally get to see the scope of the graveyard properly as you fight german and then you know with all the blood spraying around you also and all the flowers in the graveyard being white it's also i don't how do i put it very sort of very aesthetically pleasing you know as the fight progresses the graveyard becomes bloodier and bloodier and you know it really sort of i think it's sort of like symbolic of sort of how how your entire journey throughout the game has been so far and yeah i just think that um german was a fantastic way to wrap up the game as in sort of a super not super hidden but a very cool end boss fight yeah sounds like it yeah <laughs> all right uh G- gino gino what do you got for me pokemon pokemon um so what i mean for pokemon the biggest thing that i want to talk about with them is the different bosses for each is pretty much the post game bosses that I have pokemon has a lot of post game content with a lot of its earlier games when it come starting with the original super boss of mewtwo trying to catch it and eventually going through um with fire with fire and leaf green having the f- rematches red and gold and silver being a huge thing but one game in particular i want to focus on is pokemon black 2 version because the biggest thing in Pokemon Black 2 and White 2 is that there are eight or so bosses with at least level 70 Pokemon you can fight. There is Colrest, which has all steel types. You have N, who has a different team for each season. They're all in the 70s, and they, they're all focused on different weather increment, too. You have, because you have one, if it's summer, it's sunny day, if it's winter, it's hail. Man, that hell team is going to be fun to fight. Yeah. And and the best thing about that is that each of these summons is that each each boss can pertain to the story as well. Because whenever you fight a super boss in Pokemon, it eventually leads into a different fight that challenges the opponent. There are two super bosses in particular though, that I want to focus on. One being Red, which especially in Heart Coastal Silver, where it's a Heart Coastal Silver is a game where you have the main game. The po- in the, you have the entire Johto post game, but even after that, then you have all the gym leader rematches, all the legendaries you can capture, it, plus all the then all of the then the elite four rematches, and then above all of those guys is Red, who has level eighty Pokemon, and is one yeah. of the hardest challenges in any. Yeah, the Pokemon Gen two the, the Gen two remakes, Gen two and Gen two remakes both have like some of the most content rich Pokemon games. Black 2 has one of the best post games as well because not only do you have all the super bosses, there are elite, there are 15 legendaries you can catch. There are I I only not, you know, there are Symphia you can fight again, Alder you can fight again. There's the Pokemon World Tournament, which has every gym leader and champion from previous games. So as the games continue, each of the bosses just get better and better, and that's why I liked about the Pokemon games because there is always a better. It always shows that when you try to become the strongest. There are always going to be people coming back and fighting you, even when you do become the strongest trainer. It's very much in keeping with the Pokemon franchise, for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah, I haven't done much of the Pokemon, and recently I haven't done really done much of the Pokemon post game content. Playing um HeartGold and SoulSilver for a podcast episode we did way way back in the day. Oh um, yeah, shoot! Was... I, I remember I, I replayed uh, I replay I played Blue and Platinum for that episode. That was early 2016. Yeah, that was that was a lot of Pokemon. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. The the. <laughs> The, uh, the 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 fight against red in particular is just that that whole section is so awesome and so rewarding. Getting to visit Kanto again, and then it culminates in this this incredible challenging fight that I just I loved. I love that fight. It's I had a really hard time with it, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, Mike, uh, your turn. What what do you got for me? Well, um. I'll I'll briefly talk about super bosses in the Disgaea video games because I I've played most of the games in that series and indulged in end boss hunting for about half of those. But the thing to know about Disgaea is that it is a strategy RPG of excesses. You can you can level up to nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine, then reincarnate back to level one with slightly higher stats, and then level up to nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine again. And that and it's it has exploitative paths like that you can jump into items to level them up you can jump into individual character stats and moves to level those up it's it, it is basically just a complete mishmash of leveling things up to find new ways to level things up and um Nipponichi games in general, or I should say Nipponichi strategy uh, RPGs in general, have a recurring final boss named Bale, who I mm -hmm. believe was first in Lapucelle Tactics for the PS2, but has shown up in various forms throughout um, the different games in those uh, in that related series, including most of the Disgaea games. And uh, my, my favorite version of Bale is probably the Disgaea 2 version, because uh, when you first fight him, I, I could be getting these numbers off by a little bit, I believe he's level 4,000. And uh, as in, pers in perspective, I think you beat the game uh, with, against final bosses that are around level 75 or 80. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you fight this level 4000 guy, and he has, uh, he has one of the strong, uh, two of the strongest items in the game equipped to him. So you really, really, really should bring along a thief to steal those from him if you, uh, if you, have, a, if you have a chance. And then um, after you defeat it once, every time you try to fight him again, instead of fighting a level 4000 Bale, you're <laughs> fighting a level 8000 Prinny Bale. And again, Prinnies are the peg-legged penguin characters that uh, that are, you know, any uh, that uh, sinners in the real world uh, reincarnate into Prinnies as punishment. So you're fighting like the Prinny reincarnation of Bale, and he's surrounded by four copies of the level 4,000 Bale that you fought before, <laughs> but with slightly different equipment, I think. So like, like and uh, and it gets sillier and sillier. Like in in uh, Disgaea 3, Bale's been reincarnated into a mushroom to uh, to regain his powers. In Disgaea 4. Uh, uh, Bale has like stolen something from everyone, and uh, and and you, instead of fighting Bale, you fight a a super robot Prinny called Pringer X, uh, and it, it basically the the various Bales and Prinnies you fight in Disgaea are always overpowered, always have completely absurd skills and moves. There's one uh, there's one ability that I think the later Pringer X characters have that. Um, deal that will they'll automatically deal immense damage to any character that leaves your home base so you just, <laughs> just you, you so your you, all of your units need um a, need very high health and defense just to be allowed to be used in that fight and they're and they're also immune to friendly fire so he'll keep cloning himself and attacking throwing area attacks everywhere but he's immune to his own attacks 
Like, right. like, yeah, the, Sounds balanced. Yeah, no, the, the, the thing is, the Disgaea games aren't balanced, but they're also unbalanced in both directions. So mm-hmm. players can completely wreck the level curve with all kinds of miniature exploits and tricks, and then the game will also throw challenges to meet those level of those levels of exploitative nonsense. And there's mm-hmm. some fun to that excess, but also like people will see, what do you mean? I have to grind to level 1,000, then reincarnate, and then repeat that 20 <laughs> times just to be able to f- just to be able to fight the boss and then to fight the boss i have to convince in a uh, a a senate full of demons by bribing them with items it's like it there, there's so much bs attached to the this guy games that they can be intimidating or even or even frustrating and i get that but i also sort of love it for being a celebration of rpg excess and and mm-hmm. it's super bosses i think reflect that feeling of excess that they bring on and again the only uh, versions of Bale that I've beaten are in Disgaea 1 and 2. I've only seen videos of the other ones. Uh, and I and I did, I think I got to him in Lapuscell Tactics, but never beat him because I, I basically just beat the story in Lapuscell and then said forget it. But, yeah, I mean, Disgaea is a very weird, specific thing. And I think, uh, I haven't played Disgaea 5, but of the of the ones I have played, most of them are great. And sometimes I miss them, but then I remember... Uh, but then I remember how much leveling there is, and then I don't miss them anymore. <laughs> so what I'm getting is that this guy is a very, very, very deep rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah for real. Well, so we come to the close. Um, I do I did want to ask before we move on to the negative, since it feels like a travesty for an RPG fan podcast to not talk about Shin Megami Tensei or Persona. Oh, oh I'm going to bring up Shin Megami Tensei <laughs> very soon. Okay, <laughs> but uh, does, does anyone have anything positive to say about the SMT Superbosses before um, we move on? I'll, I want to talk about quickly about um, the Superboss in Tokyo Mirai Sessions since it's half SMT. All right, knock it out. M. Deus, the Superboss, which you have to beat the game once in order to unlock. And in or, in, when you, if you fight it on Lunatic difficulty, you, you have to grind your stats up a lot. It t- there is a damage cap. Um, it has the damage cap for any attack you take, and it can only get into session attacks by using one ability, Worm Slayer, because it has no weaknesses and is and can only be damaged through either Worm Slayer or session attacks. And those session attacks only goes up to 490 damage, unlike the damage cap at 999. It has a lot of one-hit K moves, K moves, and it's considered by a lot of the people who fought it to be as hard as Demi Fiend. In terms of on if you fight it on lunatic difficulty, oh dear. Maybe maybe if when Tokyo Mirage Sessions gets supported to the Switch, please 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 please, um, <laughs> I'll give it another try. Um, yeah. So we've we've talked a lot about super bosses we like, super bosses that add interesting story connections. They they develop the game's lore in an interesting way, or they're challenging and rewarding to fight. There are always the bad apples, though. So, and we're gonna go around. We're gonna round robin this one more time. Dom, can you name a bad super boss? Uh, yes. Um, so, well, it's not so much a super boss as it's just a optional boss. But okay, in near Automata, um, there's a quote unquote boss unit, which is a Goliath, which is a tank, and um, you know. Like up near up to that point has been pretty sort of inventive at least with its bosses, you know, with the whole 
I believe you already you might have already fought the the like the singing lady and stuff and like it's been pretty cool with its boss fights and how they handle but when you first encountered the Goliath tank and then like you aggro it by hitting it you know the first thing that went through my mind was oh is it gonna like transform is it gonna like become like a humanoid robot that I have to like fight all transformers and stuff and it's it's just a tank and like it just like kind of rolls towards you very slowly and sometimes it like fakes you out because by shooting out confetti instead of an actual projectile. Is that the one? Is that the one that shows up randomly in the world and has like a little brother that's like all mad at you? Or am I thinking of a different enemy? I think that's a different one. This one. This one appears in the amusement park, and I okay. think it's a it's a set spot and stuff. But yeah, and you you fight it, and it's not much of a fight really. You sort of just like walk walk around, and you just like sort of whack at its sides because it can't turn fast enough, and yeah, the most interesting part about it is that it shoots confetti at you sometimes. So you're like, oh, oh, wow, I, I didn't need to dodge there. But like beyond that, I just thought it felt like so short of like everything the game had showed the player up to that point that it, it was just like it was it was an easy fight. It wasn't a particularly big hurdle to like jump over or anything, but it was just a disappointment <laughs> overall. Yeah, if it sets about below a game with such a high bar of quality, that's definitely something to take note of for sure. Gino, you got some. You want? Can you let the, 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 the anger flow through you here? And I'm kind of an optimist when it comes to a lot of video games, but I can think of probably the worst super boss I fought in recent memory. Yeah, the Phantom from Kingdom Hearts One. Because that guy's really annoying. <laughs> um, long story short, you are gliding, which means you can't guard. You are he. You can only attack him. You can only attack him at multiple time at with certain abilities at multiple times via a crystal that he has on him. A crystal which can disappear after you hit it enough times. The the it can cast doom on you. From a, it can cast doom on you from afar. Um, which is timed on the clock, which luckily you can use stop in order to, which luckily you stop on the clock in order to stop the counter from going down. But that means you have to go back, stop, hit the crystal a couple times, back and forth, back and forth, and and the and the guy has homing magic attacks. He <laughs> flies around like he flies around like it's nothing, and it's it's just so irritating. Yeah, and that's course, like. It, yeah, sure. and of course, if Doom actually hits, your character doesn't die. He's taking from the battle completely for the rest of the match. Yeah. <laughs> so when one of your when it happens to one of your party members, you're they they're just gone. Yep. If it happens to you, bye bye. That 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 whole fight in general just felt like they needed a reason for the stop spell to even exist. <laughs> He moves around. He moves around really quickly. It's yeah, that is that is a really challenging fight. I agree. It's uh, it's no fun, no fun whatsoever. No fun allowed. No fun allowed in Phantom Zone. <laughs> um, Mike. Now, you probably predicted it already. What, who I'm going to talk about? I think we even referenced him briefly earlier, but it's the Demi Fiend in Digital Devil Saga. 
Uh, yeah, this uh, guy's infamous. <laughs> he's, he's infamously the toughest SMT uh, super boss, and I think that reputation's deserved. Uh, but before we talk about him specifically, just SMT super bosses in general are often um, either minor characters from the game or ca- or uh, cameos from older games. Uh, like, like I think in the Raido Kuzunoha games, you can play a bu- you've uh, a bunch of other uh, oh shoot, what, what's it, what, what are they called? Um, uh, a bunch of other like soul hackers and uh, and um, char- characters from that from that sub series are available as bosses in that one. Or and right. uh, and, and in in both Digital Devil Saga games, there's a lot of um, Shin Megami Tensei demons available as super bosses. Uh, Huang Long or or Koryu is a really cool super boss in Digital Devil Saga one. But in general, one thing that they have in common is that they almost always fit a pattern. Like they'll they'll uh, use the same attacks or the same option of attacks in the in the same order, and you can if by by observing or by checking a guide or something, you'll see what the pattern is, and you can strategize around that pattern. Like know when to cast your defensive spells, when to do this, when to do that, in order to beat them. And the thing about the demi fiend is that his pattern is so brutal that it it doesn't help. And you there is <laughs> there and there, there is a lot of you need to def- definitely level up to 99 and have a certain strategy and certain moves in place in order to even scratch him. Uh, he's accompanied by two demons at all times. Whenever one dies, he'll summon another one immediately, and there's a, a cycle of six that he goes through. And when he summons Pixie, uh, Pixie will heal him to maximum. <laughs> and then after the Pixie heals him to maximum once, uh, the Pixie will cast a, a Megalodeon, or, a, or one of the one of the you know uh, the Mega class of Almighty spells, over mm-hmm. and over until Pixie dies. And if it makes through the whole cycle, if the Demi Fiend makes it through the whole cycle once, and any of your characters have uh, elemental nulling skills or physical nulling skills equipped, other than null sleep, because you're allowed to avoid sleep, I guess, then he'll cast an, a sort of a one-hit kill move uh, over and over. So you can't equip defensive null skills. You, uh, you, you have to constantly deal with his wave of demons that he's summoning over and over. And um, all of his moves a- affect, all, affect all characters, and most of them have status effects or other BS associated with them. It is a brutal pattern. And also, if you get through, uh, if you defeat th- um, his row of, uh, of demon buddies six times, then Pixie will heal him back to full with, with, <laughs> with, with Meteorahan. <laughs> That's so stupid. yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> you, you you can only Classic. play him, You can only play him in a new game plus, and you definitely need to be level ninety nine just to survive his regular stuff. And one of your characters basically needs to be on support and or healing at all times. It it should probably be Cielo just so you get as much as much speed as possible. Um, but it, it like Digital Devil Saga is a cool game with a lot of cool monsters and demons in it, and a lot of the other uh bo- optional boss fights like uh. Like Beelzebub and Huang Long, and uh, oh shoot, there's at least one more I'm forgetting. Is is Metatron in that game, or is it, is yeah? I, I think that, Metatron is in that. Yeah, one, yeah, yeah, like like Metatron and and Huang Long are the two really hard bosses, other than the Demi Fiend, and those are both cool. But the Demi Fiend is just oh god, so brutal. It feels unfair a lot of the time, and uh, it even limits you from using some of your best skills because if you if you equip them, you will get one shot. And I think his reputation as the hardest SMT boss ever is uh, is earned. I I fought him once. It went so poorly that I don't think I lasted five turns. Uh, because also remember in in, uh, in Digital Devil Saga, like in Nocturne, 
if they get a knockdown against your team or if they score a critical hit, then they'll then the enemy gets bonus turns. And trust me, they <laughs> will they will they will exploit that. Don't mm. that that mechanic just get is that mechanic a lot of those mechanics get brought onto the Persona series too, where um, the Velvet Room siblings meet you have certain conditions when before you especially Elizabeth in Persona Three before you yeah. fight them. And yeah, no, it, it, it's the same thing in Persona Three. If you have um, if you have a nullifying condition on the main character, or if you break any of the rules she sets, she'll summon Pixie, who will who will deal uh, nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine damage to you. Everyone, L three was just summon Pixie. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, for some reason, they have Pixie as like the ultimate persona for the for the beings of power in that in in that yeah. game. It's I don't know. They uh, those SMT designers really like that uh, that Kaneko Pixie design, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's good to know they're in on their own memes. <laughs> yeah, same thing if you have a Niptim Orb in future Persona games. They'll just, they'll just blast you. They'll just heal and blast you, Medjidol, until, until you all die. It's one thing to, to die over and over to an SMT boss, but it's one, another thing to die over and over against their meme. Thanks. Uh, so, yeah, uh, maybe don't deal with the Demi Fiend. It's not worth it. Uh, real quick, I wanted to touch on this real quickly before we close out, but... Uh, for my pick for negatives, the, the the dark aeons they added in Final Fantasy X International are stupid. <laughs> like, in terms of for me for for my money, in terms of everything bad about video game super bosses, they're challenging. They're 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 just hard for no reason. They have absurd stats. They don't add anything interesting to the story. In fact, they make navigating the game's world in the late game completely obnoxious. Like, you're going to have to contend with Dark Valifor if you want to get Valifor's second overdrive now. I randomly bumped into Dark Yojimbo while I was going to get normal Yojimbo. Like, it's just... Ten's world wasn't designed to incorporate these characters. They're just there. Like, they're just kind of slapped in there. And the, the boss that they... The boss that you get for beating all of them, Penance. I mean, at, uh, least, at, least, at least Penance doesn't like stand in the way of a town that you that you want to get into. Yeah, at the very least, Penance feels like okay. We added something here that is new, but I mean, his name is earned because fighting him feels like a punishment. Like, <laughs> it's just that that fight is stupid. It's the whole thing is just you. Were, it need you need very specific setup. You need to be at max skills. You essentially like I don't like anything that requires you to basically break the game in order to overcome them. And the dark aeons and penance, but all feel like they are pushing the boundaries of what is like acceptable in like what? How much BS should you be willing to put up with to see the game's hardest content? Final Fantasy X may push you to that absolute limit. <laughs> don't forget, like Pokemon Platinum, where you have to beat the Elite Four twenty times to unlock that game's. Um, yeah, right. He's like, hey, I, I did that anyway, just leveling up my Tratini. I know you told me I did. I, <laughs> I, I, I actually grinded. I actually beat all those. Bo- I actually beat the for twenty times just so I can get that boss. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm surprised you didn't mention FF12's little infamous. Oh yeah, Yasmod. Oh, yeah, Yasmod is dumb too, and that raises another thing about bad super boss design. Where yeah, okay, a he's just strong for no reason. B, like, bosses that are pretty much just recolors of existing enemies. And you get the best weapon in the game for beating him, but by that point, there's nothing worth using it on. Well, in the in Zodiac Age, there is, because you have the arena mode right after. That. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, so fair enough. In Zodiac Age, you can, like, go and take on the other judges or whatnot. But even then, it's still, like, 
what's even the point of this? You know, it, it's there for the sake of it being there. It feels like, and and to be fair, twelve has some other better like Zodiac and Ultima are both pretty cool optional content. The and Espers we'll, in twelve are generally pretty good with that sort of thing. And we'll probably, I mean, we've talked about ten and twelve, but in between those, you have that Final Fantasy eleven boss that takes eighteen hours for a full team to defeat. Oh yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> called, it's called absolute. It's called absolute virtue or absolute justice or something, and it just has. The, the most absurd amount of health that I, I don't know just 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 makes me less interested in FF11 than ever. Yeah, it's Final Fantasy in recent years. I think has has gotten into this weird mindset about how more HP equals harder boss fight, and I mean I guess there is some truth in that in that it's going to make players not want to fight him, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> It makes me pine for the days of Ruby Weapon and Ozma that were just <laughs> un- that were just kind of unfair. So I can't I can't wait for them to I can't wait for the FF seven remake to come out in twenty thirty and they'll have patched in Genesis and with photorealistic gacked face and he's oh, just no. completely unbeatable. Yeah, he's gonna be called Genesis Weapon and it'll be just a, a, a giant mecha with a gacked face that you know if you have a materia with over 100 ap attached to it then he'll instantly kill that character or something is that final form called genesis omega or something like that omega you know maybe it's been so long since i played crisis core (laughs) another another game i'd like to see release square that one also has kind of a stupid super boss minerva oh yeah i wonder if that's related to the minerva armor that you can find in ff6 yeah, I don't know. I think it's connected to the. It's supposed to be connected to the goddess from the Loveless poem or whatever. I don't know. I'm, oh sure, I, yeah. I, I, I haven't been, I haven't been up on my FF seven lore since I was fourteen. So. Are you talking about Minerva? The, uh, are you talking about Minerva, the super boss in Crisis Core? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Okay. How dare you, Peter? You and I watched the Advent Children movie together less than a year ago. <laughs> I have I have watched Advent Children more times than I would care to admit on a live show. <laughs> uh, well, that about does it for episode 141 of Retro Encounter. Um, you know, if you like what you heard, feel free to reach out to us, retro at RPGfan.com. We always love to hear from you guys. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, uh, the boards we don't use, Discord, uh, wherever you can reach us. Uh, just to keep take care of some basic housekeeping, we've got some our Joel episodes for July that are going to be coming out are going to be based on Lunar, um, popular PlayStation RPG, uh, PlayStation Saturn and PSP. Am I correct? Uh, that? They started out as Sega CD RPGs, and then they had then ah. they had remakes on the Saturn and PS1, and then another remake on the PSP. And we will discover that we will discuss the differences between those. We've already recorded one episode. All right, so please look forward to that. And uh, be sure to check out our ongoing coverage of E3 2018. They'll still be posting stuff for a while, for the coming weeks, and there's a lot of good stuff people saw at the show. So we're excited to share that with you. Um, if you want to reach out to one of us individually, you can find me at I Have Fury on Twitter or Peter T at RPGFan.com. Uh, Gino, where can we reach you? Uh, you can get me at, at the scene drag Gino on Twitter or randomly in a game supplicant JRPGs. <laughs> that's called profiling and i will have none of it <laughs> uh dom how about you man oh you can find me as dh candy on the forums or on discord or you can email me at domk at rpgfan.com dom domk. 
Donkey Kong. I didn't call it Donkey Kong. Okay. <laughs> And what about, what about and what about you? What about you, Mike? Where can we reach you? Oh, I've said this so many times. I am at the Real Monsoon on Twitter most of the time. I am at Monsoon Mike on Discord. And uh, if you email retro at rpgfan.com, I am probably the person responding. Well, all right. Probably. <laughs> probably. You <laughs> never know. It could be. It could be my ghost <laughs> after another after another rewatch of Advent Children, and I'll just deluge you with random obscure trivia that has stayed in my brain all these years but anyways that'll do it for this episode of retro encounter thanks for joining us for myself for gino for dom and for mike good night good luck demi fiend is a terribly designed super boss